Welcome to this week's message from Pastor Jeff Spooniebarger at First Baptist Church, Gulf Breeze, located in the heart of Gulf Breeze, Florida. Amen. How many of y'all were singing that to the whole time of her planning? You, you know, you can always just start singing out loud. None of us would really mind. <laughs> you, you never cease to amaze me, you know that? After all these years of playing, and you're still so humble. We love it. Open your Bibles, <clears throat> please, to Matthew chapter 18. Today is, uh, is uh, somewhat of a sad day for me, because it's the last in the series on classic sermons. We're going to move on to something else here coming up. But I wanted, to, uh, I wanted to end with what has become, or who has become, one of my favorite old-time preachers to listen to. That would be Vance Havner. How many of y'all know Vance Havner? Let me see your hands. One. Yes, I see that hand. Anybody? Okay, two, three, four. Just a handful of you. Oh, goodness. If you, if you really want to, uh, to be blessed this week, get on YouTube and just type in Vance Havner, H-A-V-N-E-R, and um, he, he is one of the most endearing, uh, one of the simplest, yet one of the most powerful preachers you could ever possibly listen to. He was a country boy, I mean, his country is, is the day is long, and um, not well schooled in his early years, but he found a relationship with Christ Jesus and God called him to preach, and so preach he did. He pastored a church for a little while, then he was full-time itinerant evangelist, traveled all over the country, and what I like about him is he did not have a massive ministry. He didn't have a bunch of people in the office doing book work, and he didn't have a lot of people doing advanced promotion, and he didn't send out flyers. All he had was preaching. That's all he had. And God opened up doors that, uh, that he could not have opened up himself. And it's just a, a marvelous story. So do yourself a favor. Listen to some Vance Havner stuff this week. Uh, he's, he's just fantastic. So as you know, this series is about classic sermons, introducing you to some old school preachers, but also uh, hopefully the content of their message, which would be applicable today. And his message for today, or the message that I'm going to preach, that he preached, is um, it's called Don't Lose the Wonder. Or is that, what the, is that what the title says, or is it, Have You Lost the Wonder? Have You Lost the Wonder? Because he, I, I get those confused. So, Have You Lost the Wonder? He begins, where I'm going to begin, in Matthew chapter 18, verse 1. <clears throat> At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to himself and placed the child among them. And he said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. If anyone causes one of these little ones who... Those who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. <clears throat> Gypsy Smith was a, uh, was a preacher 
who was actually a gypsy. And if you're familiar with what a gypsy is, I'm sure most of you are. Gypsies spent their lives traveling from town to town. A lot of times they would work in the circus or they would work in, in different kinds of um, uh, traveling um, jobs, I suppose you could say. Well, Gypsy Smith came to know Christ. And when he did, he had a call to preach the gospel. And Gypsy was not well-educated. He was not well-known, much like Vance Havner, I guess you could say. But Gypsy Smith's messages were so very simple, yet they were so very profound. And, and if you asked him, he would say, well, I'm, I'm not really much on education. And uh, there's nothing wrong with education, of course, but it just it's not what he had. All he had was, was what little education he had and the experience and the relationship with, with Christ that he had. And somebody once asked him later on in his life, um, so how have you been able to preach for 50 years and still have that excitement and power and enthusiasm? And here was Gypsy Smith's answer. He said, I suppose I've never lost the wonder. I've never lost the wonder. So I want you to ask yourself this question. Have you lost the wonder? So what's the wonder? Well, the wonder is seeing the world like a child. Have you ever noticed how a child is? And I'm not talking about uh, an older child because it seems like we're getting, our, our children are growing up far too fast nowadays. It used to be that, that to be a child meant that you had a lot of free time meant that you could play and you didn't have to have anything to play. You just went and played. You never, had, you never did hear kids, so much anyway, say, I have nothing to do. Because you take a stick and you take a stone or you take, you take anything and you can, you can play, right? How many of y'all remember those days? Weren't they good days? Wasn't it nice when, when uh, if you ever said, I'm bored, your parents would say, well, I'll give you something to be bored about. So you never said that, right? Right? I've heard that once or twice in my life. And then, of course, the correlating uh, remark on that, if you're crying, well, I'll give you something to cry about, right? But, but for the child, life is fresh, life is new, and life is an adventure. And so what Gypsy Smith said was, I've never lost the wonder. And that, in his mind, and I believe it's true, was the key to staying fresh in his faith. In this passage, Jesus seems to say the same thing. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Now, what a question. Who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? That's, that's one of those questions that you, you, you can ask that, but you better be pretty solid in who you are to ask that because that's, cause you're, you're essentially saying, Hey, am I among the greatest in the kingdom? And in that moment, Jesus could very, very quickly put you in your place if you're not careful. But Jesus did something that, that was odd. It was backwards for the question. So who's the greatest in the kingdom? And he called a child to himself. So Jesus had this child come, maybe had him sit on his lap or maybe just gathered around, gathered the child under his arms or whatever and said, if anyone... Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children. So Jesus used a child to answer one of the greatest, deepest questions that the disciples asked. Who is the greatest in your kingdom? Well, you see this child. Now, why is this so strange? Because a child is the least. 
Now, in our culture, we've elevated children to where they make most of the decisions, or at least we make the decisions based on what they want and things like that. But at the end of the day, a child in, a, in, a, in an economy of, of people is at the very end of the scale. Would you agree? Not, not in their importance, but in terms of, I mean, we don't send children to fight wars, and we don't send children to make earth-shattering decisions. Children aren't presidents and kings and princes. No, children are just that. They're children. Why? Because there's an innocence to them. There's this, there's this child-likeness because they are children. And Jesus said, if you want to be the greatest, you must be like this child. What was he saying? He was saying that we should have the heart of a child. One of my favorite statements that that, uh, Vance made was this. He said, we should have the heart of a child, the mind of a scholar, and the hide of a rhinoceros. You like that? I thought that was rather appropriate. And it was really good. He must have been preaching this to a bunch of preachers because he said, preachers should have the heart of a child, the mind of a scholar, and the hide of a rhinoceros. But the real trick is having the heart of a child or maintaining the heart of a child while having the hide of a rhinoceros. Here's what I think happens. You and I, the older we get, the more we grow up, the more we experience life, the more we see of life, our heart becomes a little bit calloused. And I'm being gracious there because for a lot of us, it's more than just a little bit calloused. It becomes hard because we've seen too much, we've heard too much, we've experienced too much. And so we have shifted to the, I'm going to protect myself with the hide of a rhinoceros. And I'm going to bolster my mind because I know that knowledge is power. But I'm not going to act like a child because I don't want to be hurt. And Jesus said, look, if you really want to stay fresh in your faith, you've got to keep the heart of a child. Now, don't neglect the hide and don't neglect the mind, but keep the heart. So what's a child like? A child is one who sees things new every day. A child is one who experiments and is not afraid of what the outcome might be. A child is one who is deeply trusting. A child is one who, who, who has this sense of, of, of amazement at the simplest of things. Now, I hope you've recognized that over the last couple of months, I've tried, to, I've tried to say this in more ways than just one. On Wednesday nights, we're talking about uh, how, how we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And so the first night, we talked about how we hear things. And we, we looked at kind of the technical side, um, but then hopefully more into the spiritual side of saying, look, God made us with the ability to hear and to make sound. And if, you, if you've never looked into that, it is amazing how many bones and, and places and things and doomahickeys and thingamabobs our ears have in order to take sound and to transfer it into this amazing thing that we call music or voice or whatever. And then the way that our mouths project sound and make sound, and we have vocal cords that go like this and... It's a, it's a wonder. It's a wondrous thing. Then I talked about the eyes, how when we see things, our eyes are actually taking an image and it's flipping it around upside down and then it sends these, these pictures neurologically through these my, tiny, this is my words, these tiny fires of, 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 of electrical impulses and it sends it to the brain and the brain processes and says, this is what you're seeing. And then without even thinking about it, our brains see what we see, it's amazing. 
And I talked about how we have skin. The thing that blew my mind last week is that I didn't, I, I should have known, maybe I did know and I forgot, but our skin is an organ. That blows my mind. The biggest organ we have, that's right. I mean, that's a big organ, but this, <laughs> our skin is an organ. It's living and it's breathing and it stretches and thankfully it stretches, you know. And, and, it, and, and it keeps us cool and it keeps us warm and it keeps all of our parts together. I mean, look, look, look at your skin. Look at it. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? But you see, when we get to be adults, we're like, eh, it's just skin. But a child, have you ever seen a newborn? Uh, right? If I drooled a little bit, it'd be more... I mean, a newborn and a young child, they're just in amazement at this whole world that's there. And, and Jesus said, if you want to be the greatest, you've got to have the heart of a child. There are three kinds of people that are identified in this passage. Vince, Vince Havner says, he says, there's the children, there's the childish, and there's the childlike. We're to be childlike. Not childish. There's a difference. Childlike means that we have the properties and characteristics of, of the child. Childish means we act without wisdom and we act without intelligence and we do things that are potentially harmful. There is a big difference. My question to you and really the, the, the entirety of this message today is this. Have you lost the wonder of the gospel. And you know you're not immune to it. Nor am I. Nor is, is anybody. Because what happens is. As the, as the years go by. And as we get older. We begin to see things. And we begin to process things. And things become ordinary. That should never be ordinary. We should never walk outside. And see the sunrise. And not be mesmerized by it. We should always look at the sunrise and say, wow, that's just cool. We, sh we, we, we should do it the same way that I, you might do it too, but every time I hear the roar of the engines of the jets that fly over our house, I run outside and I look to see if I can see. How many of y'all do that? Right? You might have been with me when I've done that. Because the blue angels in my mind are, the, are, are just the, mo the coolest thing on the planet. And it doesn't have to just be blue angels, but they're primarily the ones who fly over my house. I have been known to climb on top of my roof. I've actually climbed on top of my office here. If they're really flying, man, I want to see it because it's, it's amazing to me. How does that work? But we should do that with the things of the gospel. Not, not, just, not just things that we label as spiritual, but everything. When we walk by a flower, we shouldn't just see it and pass on. You ever seen a little child who sees a beautiful flower or a butterfly? What do they do? Eh, no, they'll, they'll chase it. You want you, you to keep the attention of a young child? Get a thing of bubbles. Right? You blow a handful of bubbles and you can keep them entertained for days. Right? That's all you got to do. That's, that's the best invention for a parent who's lazy. Just sit in the chair. Every 30 seconds. 
That's all you got to do. And a child's, whoo. And then when they catch one, what do they do? They look intently and they stare at it and they, it's a shame that they grow out of that, isn't it? It's a shame that we grow out of that. We don't just grow out of that, though. We tend to get to the other side. We don't just grow out of the wonder. We start to criticize the wonder the older and more mature we get. And this is really where the rub is. Jesus said, if anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. I'm guilty of this. Hopefully not much anymore, but I'm guilty of being the one who has experienced enough of life to know what's going to happen and so warn them, oh, don't, don't get too excited about that. It's going to happen, right? How many of y'all have ever been there? Oh, they're just young in their faith. Don't grow out of it. Come on. Oh, don't worry. Real life will hit them soon enough. Y'all ever said that? Because somehow we feel good about crushing the dreams of somebody else. And, and there is some wisdom in, 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 there is some small amount of wisdom in that. But what if we chose to be more childlike and less childish? Because childish is when you're jealous of what they have, and so you have to tear down what they have because they're having more fun than you are, right? But you see, the older we get, the more mature we get, the more wise we get, the more experience we have. And so we have a brand new believer who comes in hopping and excited, and they don't know any better. When, I mean, when, when, when church starts, they're actually here and, and they're wanting to, 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 to worship, right? Uh, they'll get over it. They'll realize that that's not the way we do things, right? They'll realize that you, know, that you don't have to be here all the time, right? But you take a new believer, they don't know any better, and so they just do what a child would do. They go, well, I, I'm, I'm here for something cool. I'm here for something exciting. Wait a minute, you mean, you mean Jesus didn't? But Jesus said he did right here. Yeah, but you'll understand that a little bit now, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not in any way saying that we should ignore Scripture just for an innocence that is, that is not based in study and understanding and knowledge. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying that there's something about that innocence and that discovery of the promises of God that we should leave alone and let people discover it just like we did. As opposed to us just saying, oh, let me just fix you right here. Does that make sense? Here's what I mean. You take a little child, and, and let's say a two-year-old, and you have to forgive me. It's been a long time since I've had a two-year-old in the house. Um, so, and, and what does a two-year-old want to do? They want to say no, and they want to they test their boundaries, and they want to touch everything and experience everything. And so my entire, that entire two-year-old year was me telling them no, stop, don't, keep away, Right? I mean, I was Mr. No-No. But the more I understand how children develop, the more I realize that they're not being defiant. And I mean, there is some of that, but part of that is the natural growth of a kid. They learn by sticking things in their mouth and tasting it. And if I tell them no and don't let them do any of that, I'm actually, I'm actually cutting from them the opportunity to experience Growth. Does that make sense? In the church, in the body of Christ, we do that 
on a spiritual level. Somebody's brand new in their faith, and then we want them to grow up into an adult all, the, all right away, and we, we want to we hop them and skip them over adolescence and over being a teenager. We want to move them past college and move them into adulthood, and we think we're doing them a service, but we're really not. What we're doing is we're squelching the joy that should be in every believer, not just the young believer. Let me give you an example that this, 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 may, this, this may sound like it's cutting, but it's really not meant to. It's just the, the, best, the easiest example I can, I can think of. If we have children and they, and they run across here, what's the first thing? Stop running! You're in church. Right? I mean, we've all done it, right? But, but children, children run because they're happy. Children run because they're excited. When I used to travel and came home, when my kids, like when I flew into Pensacola, my kids were often at the airport, and when they'd see me, Daddy! And they would take on a full charge. I, w- I was just lucky enough if I saw them soon enough that I could put all my stuff down and get braced, because I was about to have two or three kids just tackle me right there in the airport. You ever experienced that, right? Now, now why would they run? Because they were excited to see me. Now, I could have been proper, oh, stop running. This is a public airport. Or I could have said, you know what, it's probably best that they don't run. But the excitement and the joy and the enthusiasm that they have is better than the properness of running. Does that make sense? Now, I'm not suggesting we put everybody run signs up. I'm just saying there are some times that, that in an effort to be proper, we squelch the joy of a child. But we do it to ourselves as well. In an effort to be proper, we hold down and we push back and we, we temp- tamper our own joy because, oh, that's not what adults do. That, that's not how mature believers act. Well, I'll just, I'll just celebrate internally. I won't let it show externally. You know what? Let's just hear, this is right here and now, declare that Jesus said, unless you become like little children. So I would rather you be like children than like grown up adults. How about that? Would you be okay with that? Because children smile a whole lot. Children laugh when they're not stressed, when, they, when they're in a childlike place. They laugh and they enjoy the simplicity of life because they don't have a care in the world. And I'm saying to you that too many of us have the, are, are guilty of the accusation that Jesus lodged against the church at Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people and that you have tolerated or you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name. 
and you have not grown weary. So far, so good, right? Jesus is saying to the church at Ephesus, you guys don't tolerate wickedness. You're biblically mature. You're doing things right. And then the next verse, but this one thing I have against you. Yet I hold this against you. You've forsaken the love you had at first. I must confess, folks, I am guilty of that at times. I'm guilty of becoming too mature for my own good. I don't know if I can even say it that way. Too proper for my own good. You know, one, I don't know what you think of him, but Teddy Roosevelt was known to be a boy at heart. Did you know that? He was always doing these adventures. In fact, at 60 years old, he went on a South American hunting adventure. And, and he was sick from that adventure, and he never got over it. Physically, it impacted him so much. And so somebody once asked him, said, why did you do that? I mean, don't, don't you realize your position? And don't, don't you realize the cost? He says, it was my last chance to be a boy. I, they, you know what boys do? They shoot things just because they can. They don't worry so much about the cost of shells. Believe me, I know that. They just shoot stuff. I was actually caught in the middle of this message yesterday morning. I was out in the woods with Joshua and some other boys. We went on a little rabbit, we went on a little rabbit hunt. And we, we chased a couple rabbits, but, but it was so hot they weren't really cooperating very well. And the dogs came back to the truck and said, hey, y'all go after them if you want, but we're staying here. So, okay, we'll just, what else are we going to do? Well, here, we found a bottle, a Coke bottle put a little water in it, and we decided to throw it up in the air and see who could hit it, because that's what, that's what we do. Now, my, in my mind, I was thinking, okay, shoot once or twice, we'll be done, because I was thinking a box of shells is about eight bucks. My son was thinking the whole opposite thought of me. He was thinking, I got 23 shells left. Throw that joker again. And, and so it's weird, I was, actually, I was actually going back and forth to being really excited and, 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 and watching, watching the fun that they were having to thinking, man, that's a whole box of shells. I, you know I'm cheap, come on, don't, don't even look at me like that, you know. But it's something so simple, but it's something that, that I think is a picture of, of, a bigger, of, of more of our life. And you know where I finally landed? I said, you know what? Just shoot the whole box. The sacrifice of eight bucks is worth 20 minutes of joy. I think we should make that choice more often. We should make that choice more often. We should sacrifice some of the prestige or some of the properness for joy. Or at least for somebody else to have the joy. So that's the message. Have you lost the wonder? We're all susceptible to it. All of us can grow up. All of us can walk properly. You know I'm not suggesting that you act like a fool. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying perhaps we should let the little girl or the little boy come out in us a little bit more.
Perhaps we should have a childlike heart that sees the world fresh and new every single morning. You say, well, it's hard to do that when I got all the things I got to think about. Man, my body doesn't work right. My bank account doesn't work right. I've got kids that aren't doing things right. And I've got all these pressures and all these things. You know, I think that's why Jesus said, cast your cares upon me. Isn't that why I said that? It's not, it's not to minimize the struggles we have, but it's to say that Jesus recognized that in this world we will have many, what? Troubles. But he answered it. He said, take heart because I have overcome the world. Now look, if Jesus didn't expect you to be like a child, he wouldn't have asked you to be like a child. To be like a child. So it's not a matter of whether or not you can or can't. It's a matter of, it's a matter of will you or will you not. So yesterday, as God often does, I was given a gift, and I want to share that gift with you. <clears throat> I can't tell you how many times a message is prepared and, and waiting, just waiting for Sunday, and God has, has an interaction or he intersects my life with somebody else's life who is the living embodiment of the message that will be preached. So yesterday, we, Joshua and I got up early. We drove to Andalusia, Alabama. I, it was an invitation from a friend. Hey, we're going to do some rabbit hunting. If you want to bring Josh, come on, we'll play. Okay, let's do it. So we showed up to the, to the hunting property, and everybody was unloading their stuff, and we were gathering around to decide what, where we were going to go and all. And, and I noticed there was a kid sitting in a truck, and so... I walked up, and I figured I'd just say hi to him. I walked up, and I said, hey, how are you? He goes, I'm good. I'm Dylan. Have you heard my testimony? That's what he said. Now, for a preacher, I just got to tell you, my, my ears go whoop, right? Because I'm thinking to myself, this is going to be good. Uh, anybody who starts like that, this is going to be good. I said, no, I haven't, but I have a feeling I'm about to. Tell me. He goes, well, when I, was when I was 14 in 2008, and he starts telling me the story in Baker. And, and here, here's the really amazing part. This kid lives a half a mile from where I've been hunting for the last five years. Been driving by his house every day. In fact, he lives next to the, the sewing place. You know Dylan? Have you met Dylan Crawford? He lives, he, they border the sewing place. Uh, sorry, that was, <laughs> I forgot where I was for a moment. So he starts telling me the story. In 2008, he was 14. He was a star. I found out this information from his father. He was a star athlete. He ran the 440 in this ridiculous amount of time. He was D1 bound. I mean, he was, he was the best of all the kids when it comes to sports and all of that stuff. But he was very shy um, and, and very, he, he, liked, he didn't like to be the center of attention. He would, all, he would be the kid always in the corner, but he was always doing something. He had a hundred head of cattle that he ran at 14. I mean, he was trapping coyotes and foxes and just destined to big things. He was the baby of the family. Well, he was riding his four-wheeler along the side of the highway, Highway 189, and he was jumping the culverts. And on one particular jump, the four-wheeler tipped, and it came down, and it hit him on the back of his skull, and it crushed his skull. 
Now, 189 was not a busy road, or it can be at times, but it can also be a very lonely road. It just so happened that a, the owner of an ambulance service in Andalusia was driving by when the accident happened. He was also a paramedic. So he stopped, he went over, grabbed Dylan, and was holding him to keep him alive. He got on his phone and he called and he said, I need, an, uh, I need a helicopter now. They said, well, we're already en route to another. Uh, they, were, they were doing something that and he said, if you don't get him here now, this kid is going to die. He's bleeding out in my arms. So they diverted the helicopter, came and landed, got him to Sacred Heart within like 25 minutes. This was on a Saturday. At Sacred Heart at 2 p.m., there was a child neurosurgeon that happened to be in the hospital. So as soon as he came in, she took him straight to surgery. Now, what I found out later, at least I think, I think this is what they said, she was the first African-American neurosurgeon in the country. Just happened to be working at that, just happened to be working at that particular time. They took her in, I don't know, 10 or 12 hour surgery. They kept coming out and saying, he's still here. But everybody said this kid should be dead because his skull was crushed from here all the way to here. And you can see the scar. So as he's telling me this story, I'm, I'm just, my, my jaw's dropping. I'm thinking to myself, wow. But then it gets better. He said, you know, I was in a coma for three months. But while I was in a coma, I saw Jesus. He said, I saw my granddaddy. And I saw my great-granddaddy. And I was walking with Jesus by this beautiful river. And Jesus said to me, I need you to do something for me. He said, I need you to go back. And I need you to just tell everybody you see that I love them. Just tell them your testimony. He said, if you'll do that, I'll give you your sight back. And so I'm standing here at the truck. He's sitting in the passenger seat. And I'm listening, thinking to myself... Well, that makes sense now, because the first thing he said was, have you heard my testimony? Well, here's, here's what I found out later on. I found out that this kid is now 25 years old, so this happened, what, 10 years ago. He wakes up, and all he wants to do is get in the truck and go somewhere to tell somebody about Jesus. I asked him, I said, so do you ever get angry or frustrated? He goes, no. Well, Why? And here's what he said in so many words. He said, I've seen Jesus. Why in the world would anything here frustrate me? Now, he is a 25-year-old who has one purpose, to talk about Jesus. If you meet him in the grocery store, he's going to ask you, have you heard my testimony? In fact, his mother is a little bit shy, and she kind of gets in trouble a little bit because They'll be, they'll be at the parking lot of the grocery store, and Dylan will say, hey, Dad, hey Mom, I, I think somebody's over there. Let's go talk to him." And she'll say, oh, son, that's a biker gang. We, we pro- let's, just, let's just hold off. He goes, no, I need to go tell them. All right, son, tell you what. If they speak to us first, we'll say something. He goes, okay. And they'll invariably drive by. Y'all have a nice day. All right, Mom, that was them speaking. Let's go. <laughs> so Mom will go, okay, ha- hang on a second, sir. This kid was told, first off, he would never live. There was a nurse at the hospital that said to, to them, said to the mom and dad, you need to get to, used to your new normal. This vegetative state is your new normal. 
And mom turned around and said, no, I serve a physician that is the great physician. He not only can walk, he is totally blind, and yet he deer hunts. I'm telling you, it's the craziest thing I've ever seen. You want to know how, don't you? (laughs) Because he has a scope that's connected to an iPad. And his dad tells him, go to the right, go up, right there. Totally blind. I have seen video of this kid shooting a rabbit being chased by a dog. Totally blind. Here's my whole point. That is what it means to be, to, 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 to be childlike. He doesn't worry about politics. He doesn't worry about whether or not he's going to have food on the table. He doesn't worry about any of those things. By the way, didn't Jesus say that? Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink. Didn't he say something about that? Or or was that only for somebody else and not for you and me? Oh, Oh, that was for us too, wasn't it? Folks, I am not oversimplifying things. Jesus is. It's Jesus who's doing it. You know I believe in education. I wouldn't have spent half my life doing it if I didn't. But God forbid that my education outrun my childlike faith. We take a moment, examine your own heart. Maybe you need to do what Billy Graham said to Vance Havner. Vance Havner preached this message, and Billy Graham happened to be in the audience. This was in his later years. Afterwards, Billy Graham came up to Vance and said, You know, that was for me today. I have lost the wonder. I have, I have needed this. See, it's not just you and me. It's everybody. Would you, would you examine your own heart right now? Have you lost the wonder? Would you ask God to restore your childlike faith? To let you see with new eyes. One of the greatest gifts that Dylan was given is that he lost his sight. But he might see better than any of us. This morning, if you're here and you've not ever placed your faith in Jesus Christ. I could give you a a legal defense of why you should. But instead, I'm just going to tell you. That Jesus said he's the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That's what I'll give you. Father, I do thank you for today. Lord, you are such a good God. Father, help us. Because every day we wrestle with having a childlike faith. Lord, every day we're tempted to grow up and to be smart at the expense of the wonder. Lord, restore us and renew us. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about First Baptist Church Gulf Breeze at fbcgulfbreeze.org.